1: Hey Alex, what's the best part about living in London?
0: There's always something going on. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. It can be a Monday night and everyone's up to do something all the time or to you know, flip off to somewhere in Europe for the weekend or there's always something happening and I just have so much fun all the time.
1: You're listening to My Millennial Money. So we've got Alex who's twenty five, she's a Sydney gal, and she's currently an expat. Welcome, Alex.
0: Thank you. Thanks, guys, for having me.
1: Good to have you. Once you return to Australia and live here forever, could you still call yourself an expat? Just Pat. Just Pat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Former expat.
1: What does expat mean? Expatriate?
0: I believe so. I believe living and working somewhere that's not your home.
1: Wow. The Patriot, Mm. good movie, Mel Gibson, check it out, giving it nine stars. (laughs) It's a plug. Totally. All right, so, Alex, you are a listener of the podcast in the UK.
0: That's right. So, how
2: long have you been in the UK?
0: I've been in the UK for 12 months, just hit the year mark, living in central London.
2: So, you you knew about the pod, you found out about the podcast over there.
0: I did, yes.
2: Through Friends?
0: She's on The Money I was listening to first. Ah, Um, what up,
2: Victoria? What is up?
0: love that podcast also and I wanted a little bit more yeah. and you guys have been going for a little bit longer and had quite a few more episodes so I got stuck in yeah
1: Beautiful. we're less refined but we am <laughs> <laughs> gonna tell Victoria touch. to listen to this episode mm. hey Victoria we've stolen one of your fans anyway so you reached out I don't know how but you said you're in the UK and I've always wanted to do a bit of an episode with people like yourself and for people like yourself so let us just start with walking through the process about how you got there and the visa situation for you personally, and then maybe if there's any other options for people.
0: Sure, sure. So, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I slid into your DMs, if, that's, if I'm yes. not mistaken.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> that's the new way to do it. I know, but it that's is. That's the new networking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me personally- it Sounds so appropriate, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I take the podcast there already. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me personally- I uh, really wanted to, at some point in my life, be an expat and live and work overseas. And so I had put the feelers out with some of my network um, oh, probably tw- 24 months ago, two years ago, and said, you know, I'd really like to come to the UK and give it a go. And and sure enough, an opportunity came up with um, an ex-colleague who was building a team in the UK. So I went over with a job ready to go, which is, I think massive luxury yeah, and I also went over um, as a dual citizen, a European citizen based on my dad being Estonian so I kind of had it a little bit easier than most people do in that I did have the right to live and work um, in Europe or in the UK um, without visa issues and that I had a job to go to so those two things made a mm. massive difference to me in, in settling there.
1: It takes it. a lot of stress off knowing that you're yeah. landing into an income stream
2: yeah, but the whole visa thing, I think, scares a lot of people, doesn't it? And, and the time-consuming exercise that it is, like you can basically come and go as you please at the moment.
0: That's right. Yeah. And if you are on um, the Tier 5 um, youth mobility visa, which most Australians um, in the UK are on, you are um, time-bound by two years. So there is some more pressure on those people. Yeah. Um, but I think the UK is quite attractive to Australians because of that visa, yeah. because you can really easily achieve that um, or obtain that visa um, with relatively low cost without having to go over there with a job and with sponsorship. You have more freedom.
2: Yeah, sure. And that, and that two years, you only get one go at that. You can't yeah, just right. bank it, use six months, come back, use another six. It's
0: um, Yeah. Unfortunately, it's yeah. consecutive. So, you do kind of have to go over there and make the most of those two years. Yeah.
1: So, just on that, Natalie in the Facebook group, she asked, uh, I moved from the UK to Australia six years ago and I'm really curious to know why people want to move to the UK. And I basically, Mike, for for an Aussie, it's the gateway to Europe mm-hmm. as it stands at the moment. Yes. Pre-Brexit. Yes. And in relation to your passport thing from your dad, how far do you know can the apple fall from the tree? Like, can your children get a passport or does it stop with you?
0: I believe it stops with me. Yeah. So. I felt like I had an opportunity that was too hard to pass up. I really had to take it. But I think um, young Australians are in the same position with that Tier 5 Youth Mobility visa in that it's a great opportunity and a bit of a rite of passage, I think, for Australians and Kiwis and um, some South Africans as well to go to the UK, make the most of that, have the proximity to Europe and live the mm-hmm. lifestyle.
2: Well, I did it in 2001. Jeez, you're old. At that, very old. I was four at the time Uh, (laughs) but I think back then like I wouldn't have done it unless two of my mates were going and I just tagged along basically and stayed there nine months ten months whatever it was but I I think it was still pretty foreign at the time to go and do that pardon the pun um, to but now it's like every second person's like I'm gonna duck off overseas for 12 months
0: yeah I think there's so you go to any little suburb in London and you'll find a pocket of Australians wherever you go, yeah. and Kiwis and South African. South African. That's right.
2: <laughs> I met one this morning. Oh, really? In here. Um, so you mentioned, Alex, that you – all the stars are aligned in terms of you having ease of um, access over there with your dad being Estonian and, and you said to work, work, can you find me some work or if something pops up. But what was the main driver for you wanting to go over there?
0: I think it's the rite of passage. I think I felt like it was an opportunity that I had to take advantage of that I would regret, you know, later in life if I had never done that. And just to experience it and I had so much freedom and little to no obligations here in Sydney that it was like, why not? Why not? Yeah.
1: So, before you went over, did you have any cash saved or did you kind of just wing it a bit because you knew you had a job and as long as I could get there, I'd be all right?
0: No, definitely cash needs to be saved before yep. you do it. There's quite a few um, initial expenses, some that I didn't expect myself um, and some that I were, was expecting. So I definitely had to have cash saved. Um,
1: Are we talking 10 grand minimum, do you think?
0: At least. So a big um, cash outlay at the start that, you, that most people will find is that unless you have a guarantor in the UK that lives in the UK, you have to pay six months' rent up front,
1: wow,
2: really
0: so that is a significant amount of money, depending that's on where you, where you live to pay at the start, plus you pay a bond, plus you pay your agent's fees, so that's a, that was a big chunk of yeah. savings
1: unless like I wonder if you can get like a gum tree over there or whatever and find some old ladies. Second room or something, yeah. And give her Air, cash, Airbnb
2: or something,
0: yeah. And you could yeah. sublet and yeah. avoid doing that if someone's got an existing lease. But I started a new lease and did have to pay On six months. I have two housemates, yeah. Okay. So and
1: are they Aussie expats or South African or Kiwi?
0: <laughs> two Australian gr- girls. A little shout out to the girls, yeah, Sandy up? and Rosa. <laughs> what up?
2: But they Sandy. came what after up, Rosa. you or with you? Or
0: uh, one came at the same time, and yeah. another one had been there for six months, yeah, which was. Okay great to scope out which suburbs we would live in yeah and
1: And did you know them prior
0: one of them I did. Another one was from a network of expats. Oh, wow. So, people use a lot of uh, WhatsApp groups and Facebook yeah. groups to help connect with um, other Australians. Yeah, cool. Um, there's one called Aussies in London. I think if yeah. you're an Australian in London, you probably know of it because it's got 45,000 yeah. members or something like that.
1: John's still in it from 1912. Well,
2: I, was, yeah. I was having a bit of a chuckle to myself. Um, when I was over there, It was the networking was the walkabout hotel, okay. whereas now it's the Facebook group moved on
0: that's
1: right yeah and if there was one thing when you first landed day one that you didn't plan and it surprised you and you're like oh if only I knew what would that be Hmm.
0: I think the cost of living I think I really tried as hard as I could to scope out how much more it would cost me to live in the UK But unless, until you're there, you really don't, I think, understand how much it is going to cost you day to day. You can consider things like, how does my rent compare to what I pay now and what I will pay? How much am I getting paid and how does that compare? What does public transport look like? But when you're over there, your mindset is different than you are back in in your home country. You get offers to travel all the time or to go out to different things and lots of different ways to spend your money than you find back home. And I don't think I anticipated that.
2: Yeah. Found the general like groceries, going to the supermarket felt cheaper over there.
0: That is really the one, probably the one thing that is cheaper. Yeah. Outside of that, I think I find everything else is more expensive.
1: What suburb do you live in over there?
0: I live in Angel.
1: So, how far like does it take you to get into the city from like where you are on the tube?
0: I can walk. To the city in about 25 minutes. Oh, perfect. So The you tube's really... about 15.
1: Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, so, talk to me about you've landed. How long did you give yourself before you started work when you got there?
0: Less than a week. Right. I knew that I couldn't afford to be without pay for too long. I wasn't desperate to jump in and do a whole heap of travel, which I know quite a few people do. Um, but because I had the job ready to go, I didn't want to waste any time yeah. hanging around London without getting paid, especially after I had just made a big outlay of six months rent up front. Yeah. That chewed into so much of my savings and I was I really needed to get to work straight that's away. That's
2: so savage, isn't it? It's a Massive amount. So, you need to find someone like yourself to go on board with. If, if For any tips out <laughs> yeah, for anyone listening, right. you go and find someone that's already got a lease in place. Mm. Yep. So, can we ask how much you had left over? After you had to fork out the six months?
0: I think I had about $5,000 left to okay. spend on setting myself up. Sure.
1: And what would that be, about 2,800 pound or ish? Yeah,
0: that's about right. I think it's a 1.8 mm. Australian dollars per pound. Yeah, yeah
1: wow. And um, did you budget any differently? or Were you a budgeter here living in Australia or were you just get paid? spend it, whatever. Or Yeah,
0: I was a bit of a fly by the seat of my pants yeah. kind of person. And yep. I still feel like I am that little in the UK. But I did the most budgeting when I was in negotiations with my boss about how much I thought I should get paid or needed to get paid to make the move work for me and work for my current financial obligations and still live the lifestyle that I have here in the UK.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. And so, talk to us about banking in the UK. So did you set up any accounts before you went over there?
0: I did, yes. How Uh, did you go
1: about that and what banks did you use?
0: Yeah, so um, neobanks are huge in the UK. They're really quite a few steps ahead of where I think Australian neobanking and the big four are here in Australia. Um, I use Monzo. I think If any expats or people living in the UK are listening to this, they know Monzo, they know the bright pink card because it's so popular. They really are steps ahead of where everyone else is, I think, in terms of um, digital banking. Um, They don't have branches and you can set up an account through an app in, I think, seven minutes or something like that. They verify your identity with a video and you say, my name is Alexander German and I'd like a Monzo bank account. And so they use that video of yourself to cool. make sure no one's using a deep fake of you to try and set up an account or whatever. So,
1: And what about like, do you have to provide any citizenship information to Monzo? You do. Or yes. visa information? Yes.
0: So personally I had to show my Estonian passport. I believe if you're an Australian, you show um, your visa to verify that you do have the right to live there.
1: Yeah. So, just back on that visa thing, if someone is considering making the move um, would and they don't have the passport rights that you've got, I would imagine that you'd organise the visa first and have that confirmed. Um, I mean, surely it would. the process shouldn't take more than three months, I would think.
0: No, less, less than yeah. that. It is quite quick for yeah. that youth mobility visa.
1: So, the girls that you're living with, are they on the youth mobility? They are. Yeah, they sweet. Are.
2: So, if you've got... Like a um, a work transfer or, or a, an office in the UK that you can go and work for that's similar to what you've got in Sydney, for example. Do you still need that uh, mobility visa?
0: You do. I think there are other options with a transfer. I th- uh, I seem to see a lot of people who do a six month transfer right. and don't need the visa, and I think they I believe they still maybe get paid in Australian dollars or there's an arrangement where they can just be sent for six months. And right. that is a great option as well. If you're not 100% sure where you're at, you really like the company that you work for, you just yeah. sort of want to test the waters, I totally would recommend that.
2: Yeah. Um, and do you still have the two years up your sleeve?
0: If you don't use it for that initial yeah. six-month yeah. period. That's and, cool.
1: And that's no different, John, if someone was, you know, 40 years old yeah. and wanted, they would have to go the normal visa sponsorship route anyway. Yeah. So are you are uh, planning it? Me. Yeah, I'm not forty. No joke. <laughs> I'm well under forty. I'll have you know. No, uh, no, I'm not planning on moving to the UK. I'd like to holiday there again uh, and see the sights. Now, before you moved to the UK, you had an investment property here in Sydney.
0: I did. I yeah. bought off the plan.
1: Oh, scandal! <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> the number of people that had told me that it was a bad idea after I'd already done it. Oh, really? I- the countless, so, countless. I had, where where did you buy? I bought in Crow's Nest. Yeah, um, that's so good. Yeah, the Lower North Shore was kind of my highest priority when purchasing. Um, Can
1: you do me a favour and never sell that?
2: <laughs> well, it's good that you've you've made that investment before you went to the UK because that we get that a lot, don't we? The do I buy something first or do I travel first? Well, like I would say ninety percent of the time try and buy something first because then no matter what happens, you've got an investment when you get back.
1: Mm. So, how, how was the process with buying for you and how old were you at the time when you purchased?
0: I believe I was 23. So, it's nearly complete. It settles very soon and it has been about a two-year process. Um, at the time when I bought it, I didn't have set plans to move and I was halfway through the build process when I did make the decision to move and it wasn't easy. I really did have to think when negotiating pay and budgeting for the move whether I really could keep this apartment in Sydney and have the lifestyle in the UK and spend the money that I wanted. And it's tricky and I was quite confident when I left and I still question the decision at times about whether I would be in a better financial position. But I think I've been able to maintain financial position that I was in when I left still afford to keep the apartment and have an amazing experience as an expat.
1: Yeah. And is the intention to live in that apartment when you get
2: back, like kick the tenant out and then perhaps the live plan. in it? Yeah. Yeah. That's so a plan. So when did you say it
0: completes? In two months, less than two months. Right.
2: So you just stay in organized
0: finance now? I have conditional approval on, on my loan. Okay. So, so that,
1: yeah, just on that. Yeah. Was that an issue with your foreign income?
0: It wasn't an issue, but it does make it's not as straightforward. And that's probably something I didn't anticipate. I did go into um a bank and get conditional approval before I left and also got an estimate approval or pre-approval on what an international income would look like yeah. for me and have had those um, shavings taken off that they do with an international income. Yeah,
2: sure. But they that was pre
0: research. yeah that was pre royal commission and there were some changes and some tightening on lending that did impact me two yeah. years later.
2: Yeah, so if you're listening out there, it's that's quite a risky process that you've undertaken to be able to commit to an off the plan without having finance conditional, albeit mm-hmm. um, banks can change their ideas tomorrow. Um, and then, yeah. That was a big risk that I
0: did take and that I probably didn't really understand the full weight of until it happened, yeah, until absolutely. I'm sitting in the UK waiting for my approval to come yeah, through thinking, sure. have I made the right decision?
1: Now, question, how did you cough up the 10% deposit?
0: Savings, okay, savings, yeah. Sweet,
1: so you did save, what, fifty, seventy grand?
0: Yeah, $70,000. Yep. Yeah, And the stamp duty? I had paid the stamp duty prior to moving.
1: Can I just say, John, we are sitting in the presence of a rock star finance chick. Totally.
2: Like, 25. That's right. And already saved money to, to buy her first property, but also have the savings to go and pay six months rent in advance in the UK.
1: Were you living at home while you are saving?
0: I did, yep. yes. And Sweet. then I also live with family. Perfect. Um, so, my family... My parents live in Wollongong, um, but I did have...
1: Shout out to the Gong.
0: Yes, we love the Gong. (laughs) Although if you're from the Gong, you probably don't call it the Gong.
1: (laughs) What do you call it? Woolie. Wollongong. (laughs) It's name, John. (laughs) Or home. Home.
0: Um, Yeah, so I live with my parents for quite a while. And and then I live with family in Sydney. I also spent, I think, 18 months living in a granny flat of a family friend. That was another great low cost option to move out of home?
1: I hope for you listening that's under 25, I hope you're getting all these tips of gold yeah. about hustling with the accommodation 100%. because it's like, yeah, you had to move out home because you're working in the city or whatever, but it wasn't like I'm just going to fall over into mm. a $400 a week rental property. I needed to hustle granny flat, family friend, family yeah. members, put up with the crap to save that dosh.
0: That's right. That's something that makes me cringe most when I hear people's money stories and hear what percentage of their pay they spend on rent. Yeah. It really hurts because you have so much potential to save but you're putting all this money into a lifestyle or a living situation that doesn't really match where you want to be with your savings.
2: Yeah. So when you come back from the UK, you're going to move back home and rent Crow's Nest out, aren't you?
0: That's right. Until I'm ready... To move into Crowley. <laughs> yes,
2: so can, I know this is about um, international uh, migration, <laughs> Fair, <isn't it? laughs> but um, can I just ask a question about yourself growing up? Obviously, wise head on young shoulders. Is it did, were you surrounded by mum and dad that were financially savvy, or what? To, what made you think straight from an early age?
0: I think mum and dad were financially conservative. I think my brother and I always knew that things just didn't appear for no reason, that both my parents worked really hard for everything they had and were really conservative and we knew you know, if we went on a holiday or we got a really nice present, it didn't just come out of thin air, that mum and dad had really worked hard and made yeah. sacrifices for us to sure. make that happen.
2: Yeah, okay. So you took, took um, a lot of... Confidence
1: from that And just while We'll leave this in the podcast Can you just record us And I'll get you to stand up Alex Sure Because I want to draw something on the whiteboard You should have enough cable So She's just
0: What's happened to your shoes? Oh I was too
1: hot Oh
2: my god Have a look at this
1: So I'm drawing the, The The money spectrum So you're a saver Or you're a spender Um And then at the far side of saver, you're a tired ass. That's off the spectrum. And the far side of spender off the spectrum is probably Glenn. me. So, put a dot where you are on the money spectrum. Because you've got Mm. to be one side or the other.
2: It's like the wheel of fortune, isn't it? It is.
0: I'm going to be... A little bit annoying and go sit on the fence right in the middle here.
1: Get splinters there. Given that you saved all that cash, you've got to be that side of the fence. You've just gotta be. A
2: little, a a little. In in her own mind she's taken off to London and just spends every cent she earns, but
1: yeah. Yeah, but I don't know many people who save seventy grand. Mm.
0: I don't know. I don't really talk to people about how much <laughs> money they have in their savings account.
1: So, um, we'll we'll put that little video up when the podcast goes live. But um, yeah, so you're not a tight ass. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I think I really have a nice lifestyle and enjoy some of the finer things or I'm high maintenance as my mum would probably call me. Yeah. Um, but definitely moving to another country is a, a spending exercise it really isn't a savings exercise and
1: and i think the reason why you need more money to start in the other country because when you're a tourist or new somewhere you always get taken for a ride on everything like you just go and buy something it's like three months later you think back oh i can't believe i paid that much for this like yeah that's where
2: weight and numbers helps doesn't it when you've got a couple of friends over there you're all sort of financially savvy hopefully together and you can um, all, all learn at the same time. But one, one thing I, going back to 2001 again, if I may, Glenn. <laughs> no, you may not, <laughs> but go on. Is my theory was I also had property before I went over there. So I felt good about that. But also knowing that, okay, I'm going to give 12 months of my life to travel and explore. Um, and if I can work my way around over there and it costs me nothing and I'm not in debt when I get back, it's, it's been a win-win. That's right. right. Lifestyle-wise and and financially, it's been okay? Yeah. Is that the same for you? I think so. Yeah.
0: I think when I make decisions about spending money, in the back of my head, I have this apartment and these obligations and it has made me make better decisions about what I do and don't spend my money on. I think if I had gone... Over there without that, I would have blown every bit of cash that I earned yeah. and still come back with, I've had a great year or great two years, but with nothing to show for it financially. Yeah. yeah and gold. it probably
1: just helps govern a little bit while you're there. It's like, yes, you are over there to get a life experience to live, you know, whatever, all that vibey stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But then on the other hand you're not going to pull the trigger on a weekend in France until the apartment's settled and you know you've got that. So it's kind of this governing thing and probably until the apartment's settled and you've got a tenant in there.
0: That's right. That's a milestone that I can't wait to hit so I really know how much comes out every month for my mortgage repayment and what do I really have left because right now I still feel like I'm accumulating this pot of money for those unexpected expenses that come from building a new Yep. Apartment, yep. like last week, it was four thousand dollars for blinds. That if I don't have a pot of money ready to go, then I'm going to have to sacrifice some of those things that I really need to be able to to be able to afford. Yeah, totally.
1: Sure. Okay, so we're chatting with Alex. She's 25. She's a cyber security expert. We didn't say her, her occupation before. Expert? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, no. You are. Um, she's absolutely so impressive hmm. that. All that's happening in your life is just amazing. So, some practicalities. Your employer in London, they're paying you into your Monzo
0: bank account. That's right.
1: So, you get paid in pounds. That's right. So, you've got a mortgage happening over here in Australia. You've got expenses in Australia for the property that's getting built. How do you go about transferring money to and fro? Uh, Because you've just had to put blinds in your apartment, which you told us during the break that it was four grand, how did you get the money back? How do you do it?
0: Yeah, so that's something that I wasn't aware of before I moved but have learnt from my network is people are willing to do that pounds for AUD swap. Everyone has different reasons to need either pounds or Australian dollars and we um, do a swap, on the, a clean swap on the market rate at that point in time. And there's always people moving over that need those pounds for six months rent up front or vice versa, people that are moving home or people that get paid in Australian dollars but want to spend pounds in the UK. So we do this clean swap, you negotiate it, you look at what the market rate is at that point in time when you're ready to do the swap and you you do the clean swap. I think outside of that, people use transfer-wise as a really popular option to send to swap currency, but you do have to pay fees on that, which is why we do this peer-to-peer swapping. What do
1: you use personally? Peer-to-peer. Peer-to-peer. And what's that business called that you use?
0: Not a business. It's just a network of people. Oh, How do you find them, But. Usually friends or friends of friends. I wouldn't reach out to strangers. Yeah. It, I would always make sure that it's someone that I trusted that already knew. So,
1: so do you go to like com and just get the rate and agree to each other? That's right. Right. That's right. Okay. right. Cool. okay. So, that's that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe people would consider it risky, which is why I would only do it with someone that I know and that I spend time with or that is a friend of a close friend but it is a really great way to swap the cash without having to... Take a bath. That's right.
2: Yeah, because the sharks could easily be circling on something like that, couldn't they? Like if you was a friend of a friend, but it was really just a friend setting up a friend almost like, yeah.
0: And people often do a small amount at the start to build the trust with someone and then before they start sending thousands of pounds.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. We'll move now to Holly on Facebook. I'm looking at moving to the UK, probably London. And just so everyone's aware, Alex and John haven't seen this question. <laughs> uh, she, she wants me. to move overseas at some point uh, in the next year or two after graduation. If I want to find a job relevant to my degree, should I have a year or so full-time experience in Australia first? Or should she jump straight in and look for entry-level positions over there? What do you reckon?
2: Oh, I would say... And, and she's and done
1: you, a degree, uh, we've had a follow-up comment, she's done a degree in communication and international studies.
2: Yeah, okay. So, that that first of all will help over there, I would have thought. The experience. Yeah. Well, the fact that she's studied in that field. But I would say if she wants to go overseas, go overseas and find anything. Bar work, Um. I don't know, selling stuff, you know, like working, volunteering and then leads to something doesn't have to be in her line of um, study, I wouldn't have thought. What do you think, Alex?
0: I would go the other way. I think, especially as an entry-level position or as a recent graduate, you may have to take some cuts or accept a pay that is not really on par with the lifestyle that you want. And I think when you're in your home country, you probably have more options for your support network to help you get through those first tough years as a recent graduate. If you do that overseas, then you have the pressure and the expense and everything that comes along with moving to another country as well as trying to find work, trying to secure a good wage. So, Yeah,
2: okay. Because if if you've got the money to go and you want to go now, I'm thinking why put it off?
1: I'm probably thinking, again, it depends. Yeah, if you've got 20 grand saved and you finish your degree, you're getting an entry level job in Australia. For a year anyway. It could be at, you know, you're in communications and all that stuff. Like I haven't met uh, someone in communications in Australia that isn't from the UK. (laughs) Everyone in PR in Australia is is from the UK. But that aside, I look at it this way. Like if you finish your degree in Australia, moving, you're not going to get into a role in Australia that's going to be a portfolio manager in PR or whatever. I'm just making something up. You're going to have to do a year probably entry level anyway. Yeah. But if you go to the UK and you are cashed up, yeah, just get the entry-level role over there because there's always temp jobs or whatever. Just hit the ground running.
2: Or work out of industry.
1: Or work out of industry. But if it's entry-level, why wouldn't you just go to a temp agency and just get some temping at different places? I mean, whatever you do, it will work out. But if you are strapped for cash and you do have some other goals like, oh, I want to just wait three years, do exactly what Alex has done, bank cash, get a deposit for a property over here and then go. Yeah. Like anything money related, it all comes back to goals.
2: Mm, that's right. That's right. And yeah.
1: then also goals layered with vibe.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and every everyone's personality is different, isn't it? Like, you've hopefully done this study to be in that industry for the next 30 or 40 years. You've got enough time to climb the ladder when you get back. So, uh, yeah.
0: And I think after three years of working in – Your home country, you may have built enough of a network to help that move over there be more seamless than going over there as a complete stranger. You may find someone in your network within those few years that you've been working at home can help you make that move happen more seamlessly.
2: Yeah, cool. Totally. Pros and cons.
1: Yana or Jana, J-A-N-A. Yana. Yana, sorry, sorry, sorry. I moved to the UK with a one-way ticket, very fortunate enough to get a British passport. I would suggest to anyone that has parents or grandparents born in the UK to look at getting a British passport. The grandparents thing that might have changed. I don't know. We we don't know if I'm thinking it's still there.
0: Country to country it varies.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um so I think as a rule of thumb, if you can if you are under thirty, for example, and you are eligible for a British or European passport, bloody just get it. Yeah, put it in your top drawer and get on with your life.
0: That's right. I picked mine up two years before I was ready to go or before I'd even made plans. And it doesn't, obviously the passport expires, but your citizenship will endure. So get it, be ready because you never know when the opportunity might come up and someone says, I'm building a team in the UK, will you come and work with me? And you want to be ready to go rather than have to start an arduous process of applying for your second citizenship. So get it. Yeah.
1: And and the whole thing is like, You've got to... Like, the passport will probably last 10 years anyway. So, you've got 10 years locked. Like, what if there's a legislation or government change or something weird happens? They can't take it off you once you've got it. That's right. So, hedge your bet, get that passport. I'm just reading some comments here. Amy Lou says, Having lived in the UK previously, but found myself unable to stay due to a lack of passport slash visa options at the time, I'd love any updated advice on how to get back there, what UK visas are available... I haven't read these before the podcast. I don't know.
2: Yeah. So, I'm just quickly reading here in regards to your ancestry, as long as your grandparents were born in the UK.
1: Yeah. Okay. Climate. So, it's the UK yeah. thing, not as Estonia. I think. I don't yeah. know. We're not yeah, yeah. visa experts here.
0: Very niche if we're talking to any Estonian ancestors yeah, that's on right. the podcast.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ellie says, looking at moving over on the two-year working visa for Aussies, wondering if it's worth paying to go through an agency, i.e. the working holiday club, who can secure you a job or if it's simple enough to get a job when you get there, what would I do with Aussie bank accounts, super, etc., while not living in the country for two years? So let's just address the second one. Your super account, like your super account, it just stays and sits here with nothing going into it. That's right.
0: That's right. And I've also now got a superannuation account in the UK. I can't do anything with that and I can't consolidate it until it's time for me to retire and receive that. So, it will just have to sit there. I probably have to keep an eye on the details of that, keep that paperwork with me so when it does come time to retire.
1: But there are some instances where you can bring a UK account to Australia.
0: Yeah, I got
2: the feeling that I brought mine back.
1: Yeah. A a QROPS is a qualifying recognised overseas pension scheme. So, there are some super funds and this is where you just need advice when the time comes that you can transfer your UK pension into your Australian super account, but you just wouldn't worry about that until you're completely done in the UK. But also, you've got to make sure your fund is a qualifying qrops fund. Yeah. okay And then for bigger account balances, there's this whole technical thing that you should quarantine that money into a separate super account in Australia because it could be against the rules to use that money from the UK in Australia, for example, to pay life insurance fees for Australia. Like right. it's far beyond the scope of this, Complex but it is. But in terms of your accounts here in Australia, what did you consult? Like how many active Australian accounts do you have at the moment?
0: Just one. Yeah. Sweet. Just one. When I left, I did have a credit card, which it was really important for me to close that off and simplify those accounts. Um, I had a small personal loan for a car that I eventually sold and and cleared that personal loan. Uh, Being as simple as possible in Australia has really helped not let that get over my head or confuse me.
2: Okay, so there's another tip I suppose, you you sold the car. and. Just tying up any yep, loose ends. My and just no and insurances and right. just yeah. start afresh when you get back.
1: Yeah. In terms of using agencies, the only thing I would say, I personally don't know much about them. Jump into one of the groups on Facebook's Aussies Living in London before you go. Just put up the question, hey, what's anyone think of this or what's anyone think of that? Just get some real world experiences. Some of these agencies, they'll charge you a couple of grand yeah. with no guarantees. So, is it worth taking the risk just getting over there, having a cash buffer and hitting the ground over there? Yeah.
0: It really does vary from industry to industry. Yeah. There definitely are uh, recruitment agencies in the UK, very similar to the ones in Sydney who will help you secure a job without having to lay out any cash. They get their bonus from securing your employment with the employer, Um, but- Definitely groups like Aussies in London, there's 45,000 people in there. Someone's done it before and someone's got feedback. More than one person's done it before and they can really help you.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's good. And
1: I will say back to Holly's point, what about graduating? What if, for example, you finished uni, what if you did your research and looked at companies that had a Sydney office and a UK office?
0: It's a smart idea.
1: I mean, that would be a banging idea, an international company. I don't know. Call me crazy. Go on. No,
2: no, you're not crazy.
1: No, no, call me. Go on. No, I don't want to. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, that could be an option as well.
2: That's right.
0: I worked for an Australian bank, but I found myself in an international team because I knew I had those aspirations and it worked. It led to a network of people that live and work overseas and eventually led to employment.
2: Did you do a swap ski? Did someone come over and replace you in your role or not?
0: No, it was a Greenfields role, fresh team.
1: Uh, Yazir asks, cost of living in the UK, especially around London. Yeah, you need your left kidney out to live there basically, don't you?
0: Pretty much, pretty much. I think you could probably make a comparable lifestyle but you may not live in central London. So, you really need to weigh up those
2: Unless you want to live under the staircase or something.
0: Harry Potter style? Yeah. I actually have an under staircase room if anyone in really? central London. There
2: you go. Would. Wow. £50 a week. Yep.
0: Yep.
1: Beautiful. So, do you think overall it's been worth it for you?
0: 100%. I've had the best year of my life. I've had so many fantastic experiences and so much fun. It, at the same time, I've been able to maintain my financial position. Whether I've been able to better my financial position, I don't know. And I probably would have been able to achieve different goals if I had stayed in Sydney. But I'm really happy with the path that I've taken. Mm,
1: And I I think like even if it's a two-year campaign, like you're 24 or 23 and you're going to London, if you can go over there and come back and not be financially worse off, do it all day long. Like don't come back with debt. Don't, you know, it's like anything. Get through uni If you can get through uni and you're consumer debt free, no credit cards, no car loans, and just have your hex debt, who cares if you've got a dollar left in your bank account when you've come through uni? Because you've just got to get through without being worse off. And the overarching thing that I can see from you, Alex, is you've actually been intentional with everything you've done since you are probably 20 years old. Absolutely. And it's like... Have a goal however small, have a strategy however small. Yep. Just work to something and have lines in the sand. It's like I'm not going to freak in London until I save up, get a deposit on a house. Yeah. And I just think it's been amazing to hear this stuff.
2: Yeah, it's unreal. And I think although we're a money podcast, we're about lifestyle, aren't we? And and taking advantage of the now as well as the future. So you've absolutely done that. You've you've taken that financial path with property. But you've said, right, I'm going to give up two years of my financial future to get a lifestyle experience out of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think off the plan, although this episode isn't about off the plan and you've already done that. Making that step and that commitment to put down a deposit, although you know it may be 12, 18 months, tw- two years before you really have to pay the mortgage, you know in the back of your mind that you have this obligation and a goal that you have to meet. It's
1: forced accountability almost. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Yeah,
0: And that's what I've found and that's been my mindset for the past 18 months. Can, yeah. can I
1: ask, and you can tell me to bugger off, um, do you slide into other people's DMs? No, joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you, what's your... Um, <laughs> She just covered her face. She's embarrassed. Made her blush. Yeah, no, no. How much of an income are you on-ish? And you don't have to be specific, but just a range. Is it over 80 80 Australian?
0: Definitely. Okay,
1: sweet. So, you're not working for Chicken Feet. You're career-focused?
2: Again, going back, I I was on 130 pound a day Mm -hmm. as a teacher- and that was more than enough for me to party most days and travel when I wanted and basically do everything I wanted to over there. Yep. I don't know how that equates to today's um, dollars or pounds over there. Um, it, is there a rough an amount that you work to in regards to that?
0: It's really tough. I think it's such a personal thing to decide how much do I need to get paid. Yeah, I think...
1: Well, it's as much as possible. That's
2: the answer. Yeah, that's right. That's as
0: much as you can can ask for. But I think you really need to consider what you're earning now in Australia and aim for more than that. And and that's really tough and that may not be achievable for some people. But if you want to maintain the lifestyle that you have in Australia while you're overseas, you're going to need what you earn now and more, for the UK anyway and for London. Mm. That that has been my experience.
1: And I think – just like I'm thinking like some key takes for this, just get as much as you can lined up before you go, whether it is accommodation, even for the first month, you know, crash on a lounge of someone just to get settled, whether it's the job, you had the magic trifecta basically you had the accommodation sorted you had the job sorted and you had the friend slash social network sorted
0: that is 100% what how I explain it to other people yeah if you really want to go there with and have a really successful experience not that you can't without these three things but having a network of people to help you get through it because sometimes it can be tough it can be isolating well you've got
1: homesickness and all that crap
0: that's right so having a network of people to keep you going and get you involved in different things is great um having somewhere to live and you can reach out to people before you leave and you know, that Aussies in London page is great for that or people that you may already know over there and find somewhere, even just to crash like you said, for the first couple of weeks or first month or two months or however long it may be. And going over there with some idea about what you'll do for work, some connections. Yep,
2: mm. Cool. Thank great. Yeah.
1: We're going to leave it there. Love it. Um,
2: thanks, Amy. Uh, I mean, I was
1: <laughs> <used to laughs> freaking talking to your wife. Um, <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening today. We appreciate you. And a shout out to Hayley GGG on iTunes. She gave us a five-star review. I was looking for something to start educating myself on what to do with my money without paying dollars for a financial advisor. Great way to increase knowledge and listening when I'm driving. Now, I have a big action list that I can take to a financial advisor to get it all started. Thanks so much. Do you want to hang around for the after party? We've got a bit of time. I'd love to. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. If you are after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want somebody to talk to, jump onto sortyourmoneyout.com and click on get help. And I'll be able to put you in touch with an advisor or a mortgage broker who can actually sit down with you or have a Skype or a Zoom meeting and really work out what you need based on your own personal circumstances.
0: My Millennial Money supports A21. A21 is a non-profit organisation that exists to abolish slavery everywhere. These guys rescue real people from human trafficking across the world. If you want to learn more about how you can contribute to the fight against human trafficking, check out a21.org forward slash au.
1: Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks, anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. So, you know we are talking before about, like, we talk about lifestyle stuff. We do. If you're listening out there, and I'll get your opinion, Alex, I'm (laughs) thinking... About doing a podcast I don't want to be on it John's not going to be on it Called My Millennial Life Okay Just random topics About anything
0: Are you stealing the shameless girls idea?
1: (laughs) Do they do that? Oh no, that is theirs, isn't it? That is theirs Yeah, because they're a um, podcast for smart girls Smart women Who love dumb stuff Dumb stuff stuff. Yeah, I'm doing it for dumb people who love dumb stuff
0: Okay
2: (laughs) Fair enough
1: I don't know. I just think it'd be cool.
0: What would your first episode be? Maybe travel. Okay.
1: Because that's very lifestyle.
2: And you're not going to be on it. Who's talking? I don't know.
1: We'll get someone. Do you want to be on it?
0: I'll have to check the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a no.
1: Yeah. No, I, like I would do more podcasts, but they don't. I don't want to be on them because everyone's sick of me. And 50% of people get annoyed at me. So,
2: yeah. And The other fifty questionable.
1: Yeah, put up with me.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, good luck with that one. Yeah. It's life.
1: So, what's the worst thing that's happened to you in London?
0: Worst thing, or
1: happened. like worst experience? Something like annoying thing, frustrating thing.
0: It hasn't affected me personally, but phone stealing is quite big in the UK at really? the moment, or in London anyway. Um, a lot of people are having their phone snatched out of their hand just walking around really? central London. Um, plenty of my friends have had that happen to them. Wow. And it's it's great to be back in Australia and know that I can have my phone out in the street and not worry about that. Wow. So yeah. that's – it? it's kind of a little scary. Um, that's probably the only thing that – I could pinpoint that as, you've got to look out as, for as negative. Otherwise everything's great. And remember? it's,
1: it's funny. Like when I was there, Johnny, like it's actually, it feels really safe. Like it feels less safe in Sydney at 10 30 PM yeah. than in central London. Like yeah, I when remember. I was there, we went to a show, you know, the show finished, you walk out on the street at 10 30 PM, million people everywhere. You get on a bus to go back out to the burbs or whatever. Yeah. The bus is full. Yeah. At 10 yeah, 30 PM. People like, it's just quite amazing. Yeah.
0: Especially in summer. The, at 10.30, the sun's only just gone down an hour ago. So people are still out and having dinner at 10.30, which is really great. You'll know when summer hits and people just start spilling out of pubs everywhere and yeah. the streets are full, even at 10.30 at night. So Shirts it does off. make... Shirts <laughs> off. Yeah. yes. Have What's you been
2: the- to the church on a Sunday? No. No. Why? Oh, there's a, a big building uh in in london that's um called the church and all the expats go there on a sunday heaps of music and right drink beer and have fun so it's not like a church not like a church but they call it the church right yeah
1: but is that
0: this a was, recent thing or is yeah, this a that, 2001 thing yeah, was that like yeah, a million well,
2: years ago I, i'd hope that it's still happening because it's been tradition for years yeah the
0: thing to do on a sunday is to go to bottomless brunch I've noticed it's starting a little in Sydney, but it's massive in London where unlimited food and Prosecco.
1: How much does it cost?
0: It depends where you go. I think you can get it from anywhere between 50 Australian dollars, right up to 150 if you go somewhere kind of fancy.
1: Wow. Spano.
0: But it really kicks off your Sunday.
1: And I lost my train of thought. Oh, it was going to be something about London. Oh, have you seen any royal family people?
0: I saw the Queen at Royal Ascot. Not oh. from very close, but I did see sure. her in a lemon suit with a little lemon hat.
1: Lizzie. Lizzie's Liz- there. Lizzie and lemon.
2: Oh, it shut down in 2015. Oh, really? Like,
1: yeah. Really
0: missed out. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And do you... Um, What's your favorite shopping spots?
0: I don't shop so much in the UK, actually. I love Australian clothing and Australian designers, so I find that I buy things from Australia and have them sent over. Do you you think
1: the fashion's a bit more better in Australia?
2: Betterer? Betterer.
0: Maybe just because I'm Australian, I like it.
2: Yeah. What about your travel in, in Europe? Have you done much of that? New breaks
0: I have, yes My favourite spot has been Iceland
2: Oh, I want to go there You
0: have to It's All right. amazing It's like nowhere else on earth And I don't want to sound jaded But a lot of European cities are quite similar mm. They've got a town square They've got the old town, the new town And a church and a bridge or a cathedral yeah. or something Iceland is just like nowhere yeah. else ice.
1: Yeah. ice Just ice Do you like the cold weather or the hot weather?
0: Both. Yeah. I know that's being greedy. But.
1: Geez, <laughs> I- you're on the border of spender and saver. You're on the border yeah, of. Yeah.
2: There's splinters everywhere. Yeah. I'm a
0: Libra, so that's the the balanced yeah. star sign. If you're into star signs, now it makes me sound like I'm into star signs, yeah. but I promise <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that
2: person. No, no Ooh. one's judging you. No. Um. Because <laughs> Glenn loves hot weather, humid. Shut weather. up! I
1: hate yeah. it. <laughs> it's so bad. I I do want to go. I'm. I do want to go back up to Europe.
0: Mm. Do it. You only live once.
1: YOLO, as they say. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, sweet. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming. It was really cool. And if you are, um, and also if if you think you've got a cool story or something to add to our podcast community, slip into a DM and let us know because I'm always looking for new content. Yes. So, this is a good opportunity. So, thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. Thanks, Alex.
1: All right. Bye. Bye.